We're back. I feel, we feel like, I feel like this is some big TV show where we've been away for long, a long period of time. Everyone's thought, are they coming back? Are they coming back? And here we are to surprise them. Um, I'm Steve Carroll with NCG Top 100's Chairman Dan Murphy. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Steve. Great to be back. We've got a big list to talk about, haven't we? Huge list, and that's where I've been, putting it together. Just uh, give me a sense of the sleepless nights, the hours... The painstaking work, the midnight on publication. Oh no, have I done this right? I mean, uh, do you get? Do you still get the jitters when you when you when you put a list together like Scotland's top one hundred, which is what we're doing? Yes, uh, certainly do. Um, always difficult to know quite when the point is to say enough's enough. Here's the list. This is the best that we can do at the moment, uh, and off we go. Uh, we take our lists very seriously. Uh, we try ever so hard. Uh, and we, we want them to be better than the last one. And we also want to be able to justify why we've changed a list round. So we, we don't burp our lists out. Uh, we, we, we treat them very, very carefully. Uh, it's been four years, uh, probably adding an extra year because of the pandemic. Um, so we think that's a decent amount of time to reflect on what's changed uh, and on our own methodology. And so here's a new list. people forget that um, a little bit that you know because we are, we have a number of lists and we go from year to year with each list so every year always has a, has a new list but in reality it's four years five years since we were last doing something this comprehensive in Scotland you've got some new panelists this time and some new opinions and and, and so basically a lot to look forward to as we spend hopefully the next hour or so talking about some of these courses yeah I think the no two lists are ever the same because they're, they're, they are, after all, a moment in time. Um, so it's a certain group of people and a certain set of courses uh, and a certain methodology. So uh, um, I think one of the questions we often get asked is, well, how can clubs that are in courses that are 100 years old move up and down? Well, uh, there's your answer, because we'd like to think that we're refining our methodology and I'm always trying to uh, strengthen my panel as I go along. Yeah, I'm just going to give you the floor for a second or two just so you can explain um, in brief terms, how a list like this is put together, what the methodology is, the starting points before you know, we start revealing some of these big courses to people. Yeah, so we, I mean, I thought about this for years before we started doing our lists, uh, trying to work out what, what I thought we could add to it uh, and what would set our lists apart. Uh, and then obviously it's up to you, the, the listener, uh, the reader, the consumer, to decide whether you like the way that we've done it um, and you think it stacks up uh, against the way that others do it because we're obviously not the only people uh, ranking golf courses. So the, I guess the first thing to say is that I'm a great believer in um, the fact that golf courses are, uh, are always changing. Um, and I think if you look down this list, uh, nearly all the courses, uh, especially near the top, have done something significant um, um, in the last couple of years. Uh, so you have to keep uh, going back, updating, um, and you know it, it's much preferable if you've played a course more than once. Uh, memory is uh, is unreliable, um, varies from person to person. Uh, my own yardstick is that if you haven't been somewhere for ten years, then you've probably forgotten 
a lot of things about it. Now, there'll be exceptions to that, but I, um, I do believe that um, you need to have seen the courses recently. Uh, and I think that uh, courses that you played 20 years ago can result in some quite unreliable memories in either direction. I don't necessarily think um, that, that they go up or down. I just think that you probably have the wrong idea. So we try and be current. We try and visit as many courses as we can in the year of a ranking. Uh, that's really important to us. Uh, and we also uh, don't hide. Uh, we're, we're very open. We, we don't believe in the mystery shopper concept. Um, I don't believe by telling somebody that um, um, I'd like to come and play their course um, that there's a great deal that they can do uh, to make any difference. Um, I mean, uh, short of hand cutting the first tee, uh, I'm really struggling to see what difference they could make. So I don't believe that there's a comparison, for example, uh, with uh, somebody reviewing restaurants where they, they might get a fundamentally different experience. Uh, so we, we, we make a short list uh, of clubs that we, courses we genuinely think would have a chance of making a list. I do that with my most valued panellists um, and then we write to all of those clubs um, at this time of the year saying uh, what it is that we're doing, uh, we give them our methodology, uh, we say we will strive to visit as many as we possibly can. It isn't always possible to get everywhere uh, but between us uh, we try and put in a visit in that year so at least they can see uh, that somebody's been and that we are offering uh, a current view. Um, and then I guess the other thing that would uh, that would be slightly different is that we only rank on the golf courses themselves. We give no credit for uh, facilities uh, that surround a golf course. Uh, and that, that, that fundamentally does change um, our list, um, I think, compared to, uh, to some others. So uh, for better or for worse, um, I, when I started doing this, I was uh, very keen to try to give some courses that uh, perhaps don't always get the recognition they deserve because they're not glamorous uh, or because they've not got a luxury hotel on site. Uh, the, I, I wanted to reward them. And so that's the way we do it on these lists. Um, so uh, I think that, that, that does make a difference. It doesn't always help us. Um, and I think um, some people don't understand why their uh, course is so low, um, but that's how we do it. I, I don't believe it's the golf course's fault, uh, whether it happens to have uh, you know, a restaurant or a spa um, or amazing practice facilities. Uh, these are all amazing things. I just don't. I just believe it's a separate category to the course. So I guess there's some of the uh, uh, the USPs uh, and, and and the way we try and do it. The only other thing I'd like to say at this stage is just that uh, I'd like to think that we do it with with tremendous respect. I'm lucky enough to work in golf, uh, have done for um, well over twenty years now. Um, and I'm very proud to work in golf um, and I like to think that I can um, hold my head up high with these lists um, even though people uh, can and will disagree with them uh, I'd, like to say, I'd like them to think well at least they were, they were honest and open and consistent in what they were doing Yeah and, and just a, a note on the panel um, these are people who come from all walks of life there are some people who are absolutely steeped in golf there are some people who work in the industry but there are some people who are readers who have volunteered and have come forward, aren't they? These, this is not a narrow pool from which you've chosen your, however many it is, 16, I think. Yeah, um, I, I try really, really hard to keep um, challenging uh, my panel uh, and to keep incorporating new voices um, and to try to work with um, people whose opinions I respect but not to end up in an echo chamber, which I think is the, is the easiest thing to do. And um, since we've mentioned the panel, I would like to... Um, pay my respects to uh, to one of our panel who's who sadly died very recently, George Oldham, uh, a friend of mine, a friend of the magazine, a valued panelist. And one of the things that George brought to the list um, uh, and to the whole process was that he was a man of his own mind. 
um, and he would often go in a different direction to the rest of the group. And I, um, I, but he didn't do it for the sake of it. He did it because that's what he believed. Um, and I'll miss him greatly, um, and he'll be impossible to replace. Yeah, we will miss him tremendously. Um, I suppose we've kept people waiting long enough now um, to start delving into the particulars of the list. Where are we starting? Are we starting from 100 or are we starting at number one and going down? I mean, we're obviously not going to do every course in the list, but well, we're going to pick out some favourites and some surprises. And we're probably going to explain some that perhaps you don't, as listeners, are wondering why they're particularly where they are, why not higher, why not lower. So where, where are we beginning, Dan? Well, the... The, the truth of it is that um, to anybody who's looked at these lists before, um, I don't believe you'll find any huge surprises um, in the top um, 20, 25, 30 of the list. Um, I think that's pretty well established. We might have them in a slightly different order, of course, um, but I, I certainly don't do these, these lists to make people's jaws drop. Um, I think that the most interesting parts of these lists is the, is the further you go down, uh, and I pride myself on our lists being... Um, robust, uh, a well-researched down towards the bottom. Um, so in many ways, as perverse as it sounds, I guess it's like somebody who enjoys a relegation battle more than a title challenge. But um, I, I think that, the, that some of the most interesting things in this list are, are, are actually in the bottom half. Well, well let's start with uh, two of those then, because they're the, they're the biggest risers in the entire poll. And we're going to go to number 70, which is Kilmacoom, who are up 13 from the last time we did the list. And Fraserburgh, who are the biggest risers in the list, up 16 at 47 this time. So I think you visited both of these, didn't you? You definitely went to Kilmacombe, didn't you? So yes. um, just, just talk to me about their place in the list and, and why they've risen so much and what is it about them that's particularly enthralled both you and the rest of the panel. Well, I think that they're, they're two great examples because I don't think that um, either Kilmacombe or Fraserburgh would consider themselves uh, to be especially um, high-profile um, or, or glamorous or necessarily well visited by um, people on the on the ranking circuit. I'm not saying that nobody's ever been far from it, but they're not necessarily the first place that you get to. Um, I think in the case of um, Kilmacomb, um, I think that we simply have that too low, um, and I think that uh, when, when we have a, um, a mistake in the list or we think that there's something that's not quite right, uh, then from my point of view, I'm unencumbered by anything other than trying to get it to the position I, I, that I think it should be in. Um, so I, I think it was too low. Uh, I was there myself uh, early last spring, uh, and I thought it was uh, it, it was joyous, um, just a gorgeous pocket-sized moorland golf course with fabulous turf um, and a consistently fascinating routing, uh, always challenging, uh, always made me smile all the way around. Um, so I'd thoroughly recommend having a go there. It's, it's just somewhere between Glasgow and the, uh, and the Ayrshire coast, so very easy to tack onto a trip. Um, Fraser is a lovely story because I think you know, you've got an ancient links there, um, has had its challenges um, over the years uh, in terms of its conditioning, uh, can suffer uh, and at times of drought um, and the I don't know the details of it but I can tell you that the team there have just done the most amazing job at presenting that course in its full glory and it, it really is a links that, that, that bears comparison with any of those courses around it and, and is now presented in the kind of condition that means you, that you'll get the you, you'll realise how good it is um, and I, I, I just take my hat off to all the people there because they're proper salt of the earth people, uh, they love their golf, they know their golf, um, 
And while its location might mean that uh, not too many visitors will go up there, that is a fantastic day's golf. It's great value and there's lots of golf up on that coast. So I thoroughly re recommend a visit to the North Aberdeen coast. Well, you're selling it to me. <laughs> so um, the next time we do this list, hopefully I'll be lucky enough to go to Fraserburgh and Kilmacoom. Uh, we're we're going to talk about some of the big fallers in a minute because I do think that um, readers and, and listeners to this do wonder why courses can sometimes go really high and go really low but just before we do that I just wanted to get your opinion on the depth now or the increasing depth of golf in Scotland I mean I'm looking you know at Irvine at 93 I went to Irvine and thought it was unbelievable mm -hmm. um, it's obviously a fixture of the NCG top 100 tour it's got amazing great holes it's got that brilliant 18th with a big sleeper bunker you know just off the tee I mean, that shows you that that was a course where, where I looked at it and thought, wow, I would probably have had that higher in my personal mm. list. But the point I'm getting to is not where Irvine is, but it's, is, is, this a, is this a signal now of what we can come to expect from Scottish golf? You know, the, the delights are not just the St Andrews, you know, the Muirfields, the Cruden Bays, the Castle Stewarts. You know, you can go to places like Denavity, Octorada you know, Fofa, Powfoot that we both went to the last time we did yep. this list and have a oh. tremendous day out. Yes, I think that the uh, the depth in Scotland is not at um, England levels, um, but it is, it is getting deeper. And, and you know, the, the, the first reason why uh, several courses uh, have moved down uh, is you, you, you just look at the new entries uh, and some very uh, high-profile new golf courses, and that's the uh, obviously room needs to be found. I mean, this is the this is the eternal challenge of top hundred list that you, that you get these new courses and and that their owners say we must get this in such and such a list. Uh, but of course, something has to make room for um, a course. So I think that, that that's definitely one thing. Um, and I think there's we do live in a quite amazing time for golf courses where there is a, a collective rising of standards. Uh, where, as I touched on at the start, there is barely a course on that list that isn't doing something, often very significant work, yeah. uh, to, to make themselves better. And the, the, the truth of it is, and there are quite a few examples on this list, that if you stand still, you're actually going to fall in these lists from, uh, from one year to the next. Yeah. Uh, the, the two big fallers, I suppose, that will catch people's attention are the PGA course at Glen Eagles, the PGA Centenary course at Glen Eagles, uh, and perhaps Levin Links as well, which is... You know, a really well-established, historic, and very popular golf course in Fife, in, in the St Andrews area. So, anything about those particular courses that you felt uh, has resulted in them having a little tumble in the way that they have? Yeah, just um, this is all obviously on, on the views of our panel, and yeah. you can you know you can either go with it or you can um, or, or you can challenge it. Um, I think that Leaven will bounce back. I certainly hope so. Uh, they have had some issues in terms of presentation. Um, it's a course that I love dearly, um, and I, I hope to see them rise again. Uh, the other one you mentioned, uh, which was the PGA Centenary, um, the, the, there is just no huge love for that golf course within, um, with, within our panel. Uh, I mean, it's still there at 68. That's still quite a position that uh, most golf courses would, uh, would love to be in. But uh, when we looked at the, uh, at the numbers compared to what we had a couple of years ago, um, that is just the view of our panel. So. Uh, obviously, I, I, um, I could have softened that, that fall off, but I thought that was an accurate reflection of where the panel I chose last year um, put it, and I would, I would roughly, you know, I would, well, I would exactly stand by uh, where we've placed it. But that's, uh, that's not to say that these are still exceptionally good golf courses. Yeah, and when you've got the Queens and the Kings, 
right next door as yep. well, which are obviously massively much higher in our list in, in positions yep. that you'd probably expect them to be. That's obviously going to have an impact as well. Yeah. Um, we're going to get on to new courses shortly because I think they deserve a separate topic, but I just want to talk about a, a couple of the new entries. Um, really pleasing personally to see, you know, Dines in this poll at 97, you know, Gullen number three at 74, which I mm. think is, a, is an extraordinarily um, you know, underrated golf mm. course, fantastic little track, you know, for someone like me who doesn't hit the ball a long way, um, have huge fun around the likes of, of Gullen. So just, just talk about some of those highlight new entries. They're, they're two that really stand out for me with where I thought, if we can get people to go and visit these places and to look at the number three course at Gullen and say, right, I'm playing a top 100 course here. It isn't just, oh, I can't get on number one or I can't get mm. on number two. And to have Dunesse with those fantastic views, yeah, it's an almighty trek to get there. Everybody knows that. But these are places that deserve to be seen. Yeah, look, nothing gives me more satisfaction than, than for example, receiving an email from a, a reader saying that I... You know, they went to one of these courses um, that, that we'd recently put in a list and, they, and they, then they loved it. And that's hugely satisfying. Um, whichever panel, panellists I'm using, um, they, are, they, they must get absolutely sick of me saying to them that um, going to the, the likes of, um, of, of Turnbury and Muirfield and Kings Barnes, fantastic, not necessarily telling the reader uh, a great deal about um, the, the best courses in Scotland. We kind of, we kind of already know that, um, that portion of the list. But when, when I'm able to get them to uh, various corners and extremities and, uh, and, and lesser trodden paths, that's when uh, I think we can have real value because I think we can find courses um, that perhaps without the time or the determination um, that, that we have uh, in the task that people might not find. Um, so being, being able to, to dig out some of these courses and, uh, and bring them to wider attention is, is, is incredibly satisfying. And there are lots of courses like that um, in, this, in this category. And, I feel that as a panel, we work harder um, on finding the, the, some of the courses that aren't in lists um, and, and giving them the recognition they deserve, only if they deserve it, of course. They're not there for the sake of it. Uh, we stand by every one. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that you'll see uh, a number of these courses feature in other people's lists in the coming years. Um, and, you know, that's the, that's the way it goes. I mean, my favourite experience this year, talking about uh, courses that you know, and not, this one's not necessarily off the beaten path, but it's not what you go to this facility for. Um, the, the most pleasurable round for me was Burnside at Carnoustie. It was a real surprise to me how great that golf course was um, because, you know, you're brought up, aren't you, on all the pictures of the championship course at Carnoustie. You're obsessed with that. And then I remember uh, just walking down the second at the Burnside and then you get to that part of the course I think it's like the fifth or the sixth a short par three where it intersects with the championship course and you think this is a really really good golf course There's, and I remember playing the championship course at Canusta years and years ago and, and, and looking at a fairway to the side and going well that looks like good fun which hole's that and the, and the guy next to me saying no no that's on the Burnside uh, and, and it, the land looked more interesting than, than, than the land on the championship uh, and and that, that's one of quite a few courses and, and is a theme of this list. Uh, there are quite a few uh, quote-unquote second courses, even third courses, uh, uh, on this list. Uh, and I, I know from, uh, from guilty experience that you, you tend to go to these venues and then play the, uh, the, the championship course and then dash off to go to the, uh, uh, to, to the next trophy venue. And it's only now that I'm able to say, well, hang on a minute, um, I'd like to take the time to play the, the second or third course here. And it is a, it is a rich experience. So I mean, I'm just to name but a few, and I'm going to regret 
that, missing a couple out. Uh, the St. Olaf 9 at Cruden Bay is sensationally good in its own right. Um, you've just mentioned the Burnside at Carnoustie, um, which speaks for itself. And uh, another one would be the Portland at, at Royal Troon, which I'm not even sure Royal Troon have made a great fuss of over the years. Uh, actually, I think they probably are a little bit more now. Uh, but I can assure you that that is um, a golf course that, that is well worth playing in its own right. They, Grim, not, yeah. they, they normally package it up in a day rate with a championship course, but um, in, in fact, until recently, I don't even think you could play it on its own as a visitor. Um, but you certainly should be able to, and that is well, well worth its place in the list. Great little Mackenzie course, right? Exactly, yeah. You don't get too many of those in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about um, new golf courses, because um, they're notoriously tricky I think uh, for a panel to place mm. because you know when you get a new venture like Ardfin or Dumbarney there's obviously a huge amount of excitement around it I mean I've played Dumbarney I know you have as well you've played Ardfin too um, you know there was there was an enormous amount of positivity around the day when I played at, at Dumbarney I, I love I love the golf course but how do you then think about where you're going to place that in a list you know how can something that's brand new compare against you know the likes of Muirfield or Roald Dornock or you know those you know those kind of historic golf courses so just give me a sense of you know when you're putting a list together how you treat a brand new venture say like Dunbarney. Yeah it's, uh, it, it's very difficult um, I mean not least because some of these courses are so good um, when they open, that they, that they demand attention. Uh, I, I feel like nearly every golf course, even now, uh, needs some time to, to grow into itself, um, to, to mature, um, to, to soften, uh, to find exactly where, where it sits. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of the new courses that I've played over the years, and I'm struggling to think of one where, when I played it, it was genuinely as good as it was going to get. I can think of an awful lot more that I've played once and then over the years have got better and better. Um, as, uh, you know, as the, because it's entirely natural. It's a bit like moving into a new house uh, and then you, you might add um, new furniture or, you, know, or, you, or you, might, you might make it one of the rooms better or you know, there are certain that might decorate it. I don't know. So I think that's probably true of new golf courses to a degree. So that's a, this is quite a long-winded way of saying that I, I think that generally these new courses go in too high in, uh, in lists. And then I think that's difficult because they, the only way there then is a sort of a gradual decline and that's really sad. Um, I personally prefer to, to err on the side of caution um, and then let these courses rise um, um, as, as they're due. I, I can think of a lot of new courses that, that, that were in GBNI top 100 lists when they, when they were new, you know, in the, in the late 90s or the early 2000s and then now they don't feature. Now, that's not the course's fault. I mean, that's where they got placed, and I, I'm I'm suggesting that that was probably a mistake. So, um, so my own philosophy on it, and you can take it as, take it as you will, is that I I err on the side of caution, and I think they have room um, if they are as good as um, as people often think a new course is, then that they will have chance to rise. Um, but it's a hell of a thing to go into the top twenty of a list like the, this Scotland one. You know, you, you only have to look at the the company that these courses are keeping, uh, and I think that um, I don't think there's any harm in. Kind of just respectfully staying outside um, um, the, the very the very highest part of the list, um, just while just while they settle in. Yeah, I think there's two things that I'd like to say there. The first is if you look at that top twenty list in particular, I mean these aren't just Scotland top one hundred courses or GBNI top one hundred courses. They're world top one hundred yeah. courses, most of them. And secondly, I think you're right. I think you know for for a new course that goes in high in a list and then starts 
creeping down a list, having done nothing wrong. It's, it's just that the panel panelists who did it the first time round kind of overegged the pudding. Then, yeah, I think yeah, I think that sometimes erring on the the side of caution is probably the, the better thing to do. And, and and as you as you pointed out yourself as well, you know, Ardfin and Dunbarney in particular, who were in at twenty three and twenty five, pretty high in our list, I think, as really it is. Um, you know, they're brand new golf courses. Um, and Dunbarney, when I went, was still so new that the, that the little dunes were almost perfectly triangular still. You know, these courses yeah. need to get lived in, don't they? They need some time to breathe. And the fact that they're as high as they are at the moment shows that the panel think they're really spectacular pieces of work, and the, but they might get better as they grow up yes. and get so, used to their surroundings. So I think that the, the people will look at this um, and they'll say, gosh, I'm surprised that those two courses, Ardfin and Dunbarney, um, are not higher. I, I look at it the other way around and say, wow, um, that's two courses in the top 25. Um, that is incredibly exciting and an absolute credit to, uh, to, to, to all involved at both places, two very different places, of course, uh, but two wonderful additions to Scottish golf. We're going to get into the top 10 in a minute because we're going to start talking about some of those in a bit more detail. But I just wanted to get your views on, on some of your favourite courses outside of the top 10, um, where you've particularly enjoyed playing, places that hold special memories for you. Gosh, it's such, such it's an unfair question, question, Steve. Such, question, an, such an unfair question. Where, where would I start with well, places I enjoy playing? Um, well, let me start then and I'll give you some time to think. <laughs> I think that, I mean, I, I spent a, a, a day with you uh, at Montrose Medal, um, which is at number 40 at the list. It's, it's down eight, but I, I, as you say, you know, some courses have to go up and some courses have to go down. And when you've got new entries that go high, mm. that, is, that is going to impact the list. It, I, I think about Montrose, I'm going to think about this course forever because the hole that is memorable to me isn't going to be there. For much longer yeah. every, every year you go that that second hole the the, the 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 kind of dagger goes deeper isn't it and it was remarkable to be there with you and some of the other team on a wonderful summer's mm. night it was you know as as we were preparing for an open championship and just playing that hole it it blew me away and obviously the just the i mean the rest of the course is just really good solid links golf isn't it it's not particularly fussy in places it's not particularly flash either in some places but it's just really good turf, really good links, ho links holes, some holes that will test you, some holes that give you a chance. Montrose was a really, really special experience for me. And I'll argue for the rest of my days that the new St Andrew's new course should be higher than 27. I, I mean, I, we'll talk about the merits of the old course, I'm sure, as, as we get into this, but the new course... I understand that in architectural terms and probably in terms of aesthetics, the first, the fin the start and the finish mm. are probably a bit weaker compared to um, the rest of the course. But that stretch, the ninth hole, the long par three, right next to the to the um, to the estuary, you know, with that out of bounds uh, all the way down the left, a very very difficult hole, but a brilliant hole. And then I think the tee shot from the tenth is one of the great views in golf. It is just fantastic. All you've got in front of you is all those big dunes and a marker post to guide you, and you can see the town in the background. And everybody talks at St Andrews about the old course and the turn for home and getting towards the town from sort of 14 through 18. You've got exactly the same thing with the new. You get the same experience of coming back towards town as well. So the new will always be in my top 10. Yeah, I mean... I could pick just about anywhere on this list. Um, I mean, 
if, if, to, to give you just one, um, uh, West Kilbride, um, very, wouldn't often hear it talked about, um, probably the, the, the northernmost of the, uh, of the Ayrshire links, um, but really cut into the chase in terms of what, to me, golf and Scottish golf especially is all about. You know, you have a, a links there, um, small piece of land, a little bit of crisscrossing, uh, compact layout. Um, you can see the sea from more or less every hole. Uh, goes back and forth. The, there's the odd hole that is architecturally probably not up there with the rest of them, but I just think that's fine. You're never more than a hole or two away from something exceptional. Uh, there's a run for home um, from sort of 12 onwards where uh, you're playing holes that are rich in character uh, along the sea. Uh, you can see the clubhouse in the distance. Um, you're rounding three and a bit hours. Uh, you know, I'm, to me, the, that, that, that golf, and it is quite simple golf, uh, would really take some beating. So it's just one example. I could have picked, could have picked any, but um, that was, it was a beautiful golf course. Yeah. If we had some better special effects at NCG Towers, I'd do a top of the pop star countdown <laughs> as we get into the top 10, but we don't. So you're just going to have to accept me saying 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And we're going to go through these. We'll say more about some than others. Um, at number 10, Castle Stewart down back into the top 10. Um, it is a remarkable piece of land, isn't it? In, in an area that has some fantastic golf courses as it is, you know, coming back down from Aberdeen and so on. It's just a tremendous track. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the first thing to say is that the, um, if you compare the top 10 of a Scotland list with an England list, the, the England list doesn't have anything new in it. Um, England, for whatever reason, just hasn't had new courses um, in the same calibre that Scotland has. You, I, you know, I'm looking at our Scotland top 10 here, and, f well, Ailsa is an interesting one because it kind of feels like a new course. If you, if you included the Ailsa as, as a new course... That's what four of the top ten, and that's five of the top eleven are, um, are new courses, and defining new as kind of twenty five years, yeah. uh, that type of thing. So uh, Castle Stewart um, is a really good example to me of a course that uh, a new course that continues to deliver, uh, continues to win plaudits. This isn't just um, you know the, the buzz of a new course or a new concept. When people go to Castle Stewart, they have a great time, uh, and there was lots of love for it uh, in our panel. So uh, I think it's a nice example uh, of, a, um, of a new course being appreciated as it goes on, which just shows how well it was designed. Yeah, and, and Cruden Bait number nine, the championship course there, just shows that location doesn't necessarily have to be a factor, does it, in determining a course's rank? Because it is quite difficult to get to, but yeah. you are rewarded when you get there. The views are something sensational, and so is the architecture of the course. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Um, of course, that can divide opinion um, depending on um, the type of golf course that you, uh, that you gravitate towards. Um, I'm, I'm, it's one of those places to me that if you've got a soul, uh, I don't think you could be too mean to it. It isn't perfect. Um, you know, there are lots of things that architecturally you wouldn't do uh, these days, but that's to me that's kind of what it's all about. And it, it's, it's a really special place uh, and it's much loved. Yeah, Skibo Castle at number eight, which is an interesting one for me because it's a course that probably a lot of our listeners will never have seen, not have played. There yeah. are there are opportunities to, 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 to go to Skibo as a visitor, I should say that, but yeah. you know, they're, they're probably limited and it comes with a certain cost attached to it as well yeah. as befits, I suppose. I mean, no more than some of the other courses in this top 10, I should say. You know, there's a premium about playing um, top 100 golf courses and we've discussed that at length in various topics mm. on, from the clubhouse and on NCG uh, websites. We don't need to go into that here, but um, it, it, the, the point remains that, that Skiba probably is a course that a lot of people won't have seen. So what is it about it that merits its place there and 
as you put it there, rather than uh, a, perhaps a slightly more accessible golf course? Well, the, the, the first thing to say is that just on the way we do our lists, and you're obviously welcome to disagree, um, but we, we don't believe that it's a golf course's fault whether somebody lets people on, doesn't let people on, charges a £1,000, charges no pounds. Uh, the golf course is the golf course as far as we're concerned. So uh, Skibo Castle is there because we believe it's the eighth best course in Scotland. Now, I'm aware that a lot of people think that's very high. Uh, what I'd say to them um, is... That course is unrecognisable from um, what was originally designed in the uh, 1990s. Um, the work that's gone on there year by year and continues to go on there year by year is off the charts um, in terms of the, the, the quality of the experience and the way that they keep uh, identifying you know, one or two things that they think they could make slightly better and then they kind of exceed expectations. So every time, every time you go, it, it's better and better and better. Um, and the the purity of the experience, the views, the uh, the challenge of the the architecture, the grasses, um, it, it takes some beating. And uh, you know, any, anybody who thinks that's high, um, I would just uh, encourage them if ever they have the chance to go and play it. Uh, and I, if they go and play it, I will happily have that conversation with them because I think they'll be pleasantly surprised. It was higher. It was seventh um, the <laughs> last time we did the uh, Scotland's Top 100 rankings. So um, Skibo Castle there at number eight. Uh, Carnoustie Championship also down one. Um, it will become apparent as we go on to the list why um, there's been a slight shuffling of, mm. of the top ten. But uh, I was lucky enough to, um, to do a trip uh, at the start of the season to Carnoustie. We'd had, uh, obviously, a difficult... Um, wet uh, winter, I think that's fair to say. I'm, I'm not sure how it was, obviously, on the uh, on the east coast of Scotland, but it was certainly wet everywhere else. Um, it, tremendous golf course, tremendous turf. I think it says something about golfers that um, a course as difficult as that, and it is unbelievably hard, um, can feature so highly on a list like this. But it is just merit, isn't it, to the special experience? If, you, if I mean, I'm just thinking about you know the history there, the opens there. Hogan's Hole, the six, you know, the eighth, obviously the par three where Tom Watson hit the fence in the playoff against Chat Newton, the spectacles on the 14th, and then basically the hardest three holes in golf, 16, 17, and 18. It's just wonderful all the way around, isn't it? Probably include the 15. I'd say the, the, I'd say the last four is, the, uh, is kind of the ultimate challenge. I think that's the, probably the, uh, what you think of at Carnoustie is the ultimate challenge of your, uh, of your abilities. Uh, and it's, it's, it's one of those golf courses that just gets better and better every time you play it. Um, it's, it's a special place. Yeah, unfortunately for me, uh, I absolutely pured my... I had a brilliant drive on 18 and then absolutely pured the second and just failed to carry. Oh. It would have been about... It was a five iron. It would have been about 10 feet, I think. Paul Laurie-esque. Yeah, it, it was so deflating. <laughs> it was like I was hit, I hit two brilliant shots. Like, of the last time I'd been to Carnoustie and played the championship, I'd spent all my time on 18, snap-hooking it out of bounds. Um, so I did the hard work and then hit the shot that it deserved on the second and didn't and didn't get the rewards, unfortunately. But they're, they're, them's the breaks, as they say, when you play a championship course like that. And at number six, also down one, you've got the complete opposite of Carnoustie. You've got a course mm. that's just all about fun in Kingsbarns. Yes, uh, and again, uh, I think much like Castle Stewart, I think that there are two modern courses um, that are, uh, are proving themselves uh, to, be, to belong in this company because, uh, because they keep appearing um, in, in such, such elevated positions. Um, and, that, and that's long beyond the, the initial new toy factor. Uh, so I think that, uh, again, another course that's changed quite a lot, actually, since it was, um, since it was first opened. You know, it's now a good 20 years old. 
uh, gets better uh, by the year. Um, I know that they, they try incredibly hard, uh, obviously with the, the benefit of closing over winter, which helps them to, uh, to, to improve and to, to renovate and to, to think of, uh, of, of new ways to make the course better. Um, and yeah, I think it's, 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 a, it's a course that is a favourite of a lot of golfers I know. Yeah, um, no one who will ever play Kings Barnes will forget the super long par 5 12th or that just incredible 15th, the par 3, um, jutting out into the bay. I actually hit it off the rocks there and managed to get onto the green, would you believe? Um, so next time, uh, next time I'm complaining about bad looking golf, just remind me of what happened to me <laughs> on the 15th at, uh, at Kings Barnes. Uh, also down one at number five is Royal Dornock. Uh, that, that might surprise a couple of people because I think there's genuine expectation among the public that when a course does some work, they'll probably get rewarded for that. And obviously Dornock's done a massive piece of work mm. with Tom McKenzie in uh, reshaping the seventh. Yes, uh, and currently engaging in another major project on the, uh, on the eighth. Um, yeah, I think that the the course is uh, is very well established, very well appreciated, and it's a lovely thing because um, as recently as what twenty twenty five years ago, um, Dornock was right on the edge of people's awareness, and you know not many people uh, had been necessarily. Uh, it got slightly out of fashion, um, and isn't it wonderful now that golfers in their in their droves go up to the Highlands um, to go and play Dornock? It's one of those it's one of those places that everyone needs to go to at least once. Um, but again. <laughs> it, 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 if you do have the chance to go and play it two or three times and I think then you really get in the value of uh, that incredible selection of par threes and, and some really subtle holes as well as the, the very obvious beauty yeah I've been once I'm going to have to go twice um, because I had the crushing experience of the six being out of play oh no which is just an amazing par three isn't it I mean it is, <laughs> it is one of the standout holes on the golf course such quirky course in, in, in some respects as well some really w I can't remember is it the 16th down where you basically you start down low and then you end up hitting to kind of like a high plateau green. Yes, if you're not careful, you end up being siphoned away to sort of a very unpleasant place on the left. Yeah, very, very interesting hobby. You don't, you don't see changes in elevation like that. I mean, no. you, you often see the elevation changes going down, don't you, rather than up. So really interesting piece of architecture there. At number four, up five, is, is North Berwick. This was a little bit of a surprise for me, a pleasing one, I have to say, because I love North Berwick. And I think that, you know, as someone who likes the golf courses to be on the shorter and more quirky and interesting size, it's really good to see the panel sort of going for North Berwick in a big way. I mean, we can talk about standout holes from the very first shot, can't we, at North Berwick, right the way through on the West Coast to hitting back into town can't be a better experience than hitting back into a town on your final tee shot. But why, why do you think that the panel have, have, have increased North Berwick by such an amount? Because, you know, in a top 10 where there's really little movement and really little expected movement, I suppose, a rise of five places from, from nine to four is a big one. It's an enormous jump, and especially because it's not like they've done anything different. The, the golf course that we've just ranked this year is exactly the same golf course that we've ranked a few years ago. Uh, so I, I think you could say that's, uh, that's quite an odd um, rise. The reason it's risen is it's really simple. It's because one panellist after another queued up to tell me not how much they love North Berwick, but it was in so many of their top threes. And I, I think what it reflects um, is a, a very welcome trend towards uh, valuing courses that we enjoy uh, rather than courses that, um, that are incredibly difficult. Uh, and I don't think that any course embodies golf for pleasure, for enjoyment, uh, for stimulation than, than North Berwick does because 
I mean, I, I, I don't think I've ever met a golfer um, who said that North Berwick, what was that about? Um, everyone who plays it goes and falls in love with it. And that goes from the perhaps the golfer who's not steeped in it um, to, to the most curmudgeonly um, uh, golf course fan. Uh, and no, nobody, see, nobody seems to tire of it. Nobody seems to have a bad word of it. So it is simply a reflection uh, of how much the, the panel that I was proud to work with this year uh, collectively, uh, like North Berwick, and you know, I, I looked at it and said, "Well, if that's what you're telling me, that's where it's going." Yeah, I, I'm going back to North Berwick at the um, at the end of March on a trip, um, on, a, on a on a golf trip, and I, I can't wait to go back. Say a couple of things about North Berwick. I, I love that course so much, but pit is better than perfection. Sorry, <laughs> it, it is. Um, it is uh, the. Um, Stop copying Redans because there's only one. That one is brilliant. And the double plateau. Is it a beer Ritz? Is that what they call them yes. now? The, 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 the green on 16. Mm. I've played that shot having missed the green. And there are fewer more fun things in golf than trying to hit a difficult place pin location on a green that does quite what that one does. So if you... Um, and, and funnily enough, you know, in, in terms of the top 10, you know, we, we do talk about... Uh, we've talked about price in various factors a lot. And some people will consider... Uh, 200 pounds peak time for North Berwick to be you know chunky it obviously is but when I compare it to some of the prices in the top 10 it's still on the lower side isn't it you know against all its other peers it's still way down there in terms of price so you know whether you want to pay 200 pounds peak time or not that course is still accessible um, yep. for most of us and that and that does it some credit I think um Muirfield at three no change I feel sorry for Muirfield. I can't believe I'm saying this because it's, it, it's an, such an unbelievable layout and such an unbelievable course with great history. Um, but it's got not many places to go, hasn't it, when we get into second and the first? Yeah, I, I, um, I'm, uh, I've made no secret of the fact that Muirfield um, is, as far as I'm concerned, my Scottish number one. Um, and I will stand by that. Um, the, I, I should also say... Um, that the visitor experience at Muirfield these days is um, nothing short of sensational. Um, you know, I think those days have been tolerated uh, and almost um, been proud to come away with the stories about being tolerated along behind us. Um, I, I think that anyone who goes there now will probably come away thinking that they've had about as good a day, um, a good a day's golf as they could as they could possibly imagine. And you know, that not that it's we take an account for it in this list, but that does include the. Uh, the off course and then and the famous Muirfield lunch. So yeah, to me, um, it, it's number one. Um, that's not a view shared by all of my panel, and that's why it finds itself at number three. And number two, <clears throat> Scotland's twenty eighteen number one has been dethroned. It has, um, yes, for no, well, through no fault of its own, that's for sure. Um, still um, incredibly well loved, I think. Um, this is Turnbury, the Ailsa course, for people who are wondering. Still a lot of uh, our panellists' uh, uh, first choice. Um, I think that the um, Martin Ebert's work there has been universally uh, appreciated. I, I don't think anybody could say that it hasn't made the course better. Um, and I think that the... yeah. I don't think it's, uh, there is no suggestion that it's gone backwards. I think that it's simply the case that in a moment in time, um, a certain course that we'll talk about in a minute um, was irresistible this year. Yes, and that course, uh, back at number one, um, I don't know if it's been number one in our pool before, has it? This might no, be the no, first no, time, no. but it's, it, it's been number one in various others at various points. It goes mm. up between one and three normally, doesn't it? Depending on where you look, but it is obviously 
um, the old course at St Andrews. I, I am expecting um, quite a lot of comment from people because I, I don't understand why this is. I, I, I think the old course is a unique place, the history of the game, the, the, the turf in which you're walking makes it a fantastic experience. But for some reason, some people just love to hate on the old course, don't they? They, they just don't understand it. Yeah, I think some people are like to be contrary, don't they? Um, I, I've often said in the past that in some ways it would be easier if we if we just left the old course out of our course rankings and just put it in a little place of its own um, because it engenders such strong feelings. Um, it, it feels heretic not to put it at the top of the list. Um, and yet, you know, the, I think especially for the first-time player, second-time player, third-time player, um, it's quite a mysterious place to play golf. It's very confusing. Uh, and that's even with um, you know caddies out there and marshals and what have you. Um, I, you know it, it's not obvious at all. There are, there are a number of holes where you can stand on the tee um, and have no idea where you're going. And often you can hit it. And if you don't know the course, you might find it in a bunker and you wouldn't know until you uh, until you got near it. So I mean it, it has its um, its eccentricities. I mean probably more than any course on this uh, on this list. Um, but it, it it's impossible to. To say a bad word against it, and I, and I think in the year of the 150th Open Championship, um, I just think it was front of front of mind, uh, and it was felt that it was a, a suitable mark of respect for it to rise to number one. Do you know what does it for me on that course? It's not the first, uh, although that is brilliant, uh, and it's such an enjoyable experience. Or the 17th or 18th, it was. Uh, I hit a shot short of the second green and trying to spend a minute or two working out how to negotiate yeah. those bumps yeah. and slopes in front. And I thought, yeah, this, this course is absolutely the real deal. And I made a complete hash of it because everybody does, because it's unfathomable, isn't it? But the old course is full of little areas like that. It has, it has its weaknesses. The ninth is, a, in my opinion, a genuinely weak, the one genuinely weak hole on that golf course. But, you know, when you've got, um, when you've got holes like high, and then what I will argue all day, maybe North Berwick can, can live with it, but the bit, one of the finest home stretches you'll ever see from the par five through to the 18th. I mean, find me better golf than that. And, it, and it's, it's so hard even to concentrate fully on the golf because all you, know, all you can see is the, is the town and the distance um, and, the, and the history and the, and the nostalgia and the... The ghosts of golf past, uh, you know, it's very difficult not to get <laughs> distracted on, uh, on your way in uh, on those holes. And it hits you, it gets you every time you go. It, you know, it never stops being special. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's, you know, ultimately no other course on the list can compare with it. Um, uh, well, in the world, no other course in the world can compare with St Andrews for the feeling that you've made it and you're at the place where everyone else in golf would like to be at that moment. Um, and, and you know that's why it's number one. Yeah, it's the only golf course in the world, and I've been lucky enough, uh, as you have, to have played some really, really good ones. It's the only golf course in the world where I've punched the air after holding a three-foot par par on the 18th. <laughs> uh, there is actually video evidence of that. Um, so congratulations to the old course at St Andrews, number one uh, in NCG's top 100 for Scotland. Um, this is not a list that sits in isolation, you uh, welcome and in fact you encourage comment um, from golfers uh, to get in touch and, and talk mm. to you about the, the, the pros and possibly their cons of the list as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the, I hope I've given you some um, justifications for why we've done, um, done what we have. 
Um, but of course, uh, is it perfect? Um, I'm sure it isn't. Um, are we looking forward already to doing it again? I mean, that is the whole fun of it—that you never finish, um, and nor would you want to. Um, and that, you know, I, that'll give me the, the, the pleasure, hopefully, in a couple of years, uh, of, of going back up and uh, and meeting some old friends, possibly meeting some new friends, uh, um, reacquainting myself with a few places. Um, but I, I would just encourage anybody um, to. Uh, the, the, you won't find a bad course on the list. I think that, that, that's what I would say. Um, and while you may well be aware of some of the courses at the top, many of the courses at the top, uh, I just encourage you that on your travels, uh, pick off as many as you can um, in the second half that, um, that perhaps you don't know that much about. And I, I guarantee you that you'll have uh, a great experience. And, and I hope that that makes the, the list worth studying from your perspective. Yeah, and, and remember you can have an excellent opportunity to do some of that through NCG's Top 100 Tours. Click on the website and check out the events and the dates, see if you can get involved. Um, the Scotland list isn't finished, it's never finished as you just said, but we are moving on. Um, what are we doing this year on NCG's Top 100s? Uh, so this year we'll be updating our Wales Top 40 and our Ireland Top 50. Um, and when we have done that, um, by the end of the, uh, the autumn, uh, that will mean that we have uh, updated England, Scotland, Ireland and Wales. Um, since we last published a GBNI list, so very exciting at this time next year. Uh, that will give us the, the data, uh, the ammunition we need uh, to create a fresh GBNI list, um, which uh, I hope will be uh, eagerly awaited, because uh, as I said, it'll be, it'll, it'll be four years since the last one, um, and it will be packed with, uh, with, with new intel. Uh, it won't be a list that rests on its laurels, far from it, so you can rely on us um, that it'll be a picture of GBNI golf as it is, uh, not as it was five or ten years ago. Uh, and I like to think that the NCG Top 100s podcast is a bit like the Stone Roses. We'll keep, we'll keep you waiting, um, but we'll be back with a second coming soon. You might have a new host for the Top 100s podcast, but Dan will be with you all the way through for a second season. So uh, enjoy the list, digest it, uh, immerse yourselves in it, um, tick as many off as possible, and we will uh, look forward to seeing you on the podcast soon. Thanks, Dan, for joining me. Thank you, Steve. That was thoroughly enjoyable. And cheers, everybody. We'll see you again shortly.